Well, we welcome everybody to this week's edition of View from the Press Box. I am Scott Hogan, and joining me is Brad Hallier as we kind of wrap up this week the last of the Ad Astra schedule as far as high school basketball is concerned as we're recording this on Monday night. So let's take a quick look. we got a lot of places we're going to go this week, but we'll look at uh, the one high school game on the schedule this week is Tuesday on 95.9. It's going to be McPherson at Bueller. Now, I have not seen, Brad, and you might know a little more information on this. Is that going to be a girls game only, or are we actually going to see the Bueller boys get in action? I still think it's a girls game only. um, I'd love to see I'd love to see them get back in action, the boys, but I believe right now that's, that's a girls game only. Let me, uh, I've, I've got another schedule here. Let me look real quick. I, I think you're correct. I think that's going to be girls only. Uh, it does not say specifically, but uh, we believe it is. And that that's, a t- oh boy, what a tough one that is for a really young Bueller girls team that has been struggling. Uh, now McPherson girls, fill uh, me back in. We were talking about this on Friday. They had a Big game was that Dodge City they play? Who was it that McPherson played last? Yeah, week? it was Dodge City, and Dodge City Dodge got City. the win. Uh, Dodge City's only ranked, I think, eighth in Class Six A. And I tell you what, when you go to the Roundhouse and beat McPherson uh, by, let's see, fifty-eight to forty-one, I think Dodge City might be a little underranked. I don't think McPherson is overranked. I think they were number two last uh, I saw. I don't think they're overrated at all. I think McPherson is going to be one of the top, uh, you know two, three, four teams in Class 4A, but Dodge City ranked eighth after going to the Roundhouse and winning 58-41. to Move them up, man. So uh, I think we both agree that, that, that that'll be a, a tough and tall order for the, the Lady Crusaders. I mean, they're certainly going to, to learn from that game. Uh, see, We'll see how competitive they can be. And th- they'll be much better, I think, down the stretch when we get into to late – January and February once some of these younger kids get a little bit more varsity action under their belt. Yeah, I agree and I think that this is a good end of the or end of the semester kind of game for them or end of the year kind of game for them, you know, for playing a good opponent like McPherson. Uh, you know, for all intents and purposes, they're probably it, it, you know, they they may end up taking their lumps in this game, but you know what? Maybe they also compete for, you know, two quarters, two and a half quarters. Maybe they go into you know, mid third quarter and, and, and they're down, you know, let's say, you know, 28 to, to 20 or something like that. And, you know, do you just want to be able to, to go into Christmas, you know, after playing this game, you know, first of all, you want to be healthy, but you also want to be able to learn something from this game. And they've, they definitely have done a lot of learning with the opposition that they've played. So that's going to be good going into the second semester. I'm optimistic that the Bueller girls are going to be uh, much better come late January. I am as well. I think that I think they're going to take their bumps in this one, but I think we'll see them start to dot in the wind column a little bit in the second semester. Uh, also on Tuesday night, the Jayhawks back in action. Uh, what a game this is! What a way to open conference play. They they escaped Lubbock last week with the 58-57 victory at Texas Tech, and now they come home. And they are seven and one. They're going to take on a seven and one West Virginia squad. That game's on ninety four seven. Boy, and then KU is not scheduled to play again until the second of January against Texas. So uh, back on their home floor, this would be huge to get Texas Tech on the road, West Virginia at home. If you could beat those two, start two and zero, oh, you'd feel really good about where the Jayhawks are at. 
mean, you look at their schedule. I know Kentucky's played a pretty tough schedule, but, you know, Kansas started out with Gonzaga. They're only lost to the so far this season. St. Joe's is usually a pretty decent team. Haven't really followed them too closely, but St. Joe is usually a pretty decent team. Then they played Kentucky, and they've also played Creighton. Then they played Texas Tech. I mean, they've played some pretty good opponents. This has been a tough schedule. And I know that the Jayhawks don't have the big man like Yudoka Azubuke. I know they don't have a point guard like Frank Mason or Devontae Graham or Devon Dotson, but, you know, Scott, I did this this is still a pretty darn good team. I look at, like, Jalen Wilson and guys like that, you know, that we really didn't know much about. And I, I think that this team, you know, if they can, if they can continue to imp- improve defensively, I think we already know enough about them from the perspective as that they're mentally tough. I mean, to go into Lubbock and win in front of a decent crowd, they actually had a pretty decent crowd there. Um, I think that this is going to be, come March, a pretty typical KU team. And, I, again, I know they don't have the point guard. They don't have the big man like they usually do. But I, I think from a from a, a mentality perspective, this this KU team is could be as good as any of them. Far Far be it for me to say, but it feels like this team, at least so far, and it's hard to say this about a KU team, but it seems like they're flying under the radar to me. I mean, I don't – you know, yes, they're ran- I believe they're ranked fifth or fourth right now. They moved um, up to three this week. They did move up to three. Okay. Yes. But it doesn't feel like a lot of people are talking about them. It's about it's all about Baylor right now, which I think, as far as KU is concerned, that's fine. Sure. Let everybody talk about Baylor. I mean, why not? I mean, Baylor is really good, um, but it feels like they're flying under the radar. And I think for Bill Self for a change, I think that's very welcome. Yeah, it's an interesting point you made because I, I I think you're right. And not only from the perspective that teams are, or that people are more or less talking about Baylor and deservedly so, it also seems like that the most of the talk around Kansas is that they don't have, as I mentioned, the point guard or the big man. And it's more like they're talking about what Kansas doesn't have instead of what they actually have. And I know some of the talk also has been centered around, you know, David McCormick's uh, shortcomings. I, that, that's fine. Keep, keep, keep talking about that. And I'm sure Bill Self is more than happy <laughs> not to, not to uh, hear uh, the praises sung for his team this year. We'll see. Uh, I think I'm optimistic that they can get to 2-0 and against West Virginia. And then up next would be Texas on January 2nd. Uh, on same night, 100.3 has Wichita State there on the long road trip. They're going to take on South Florida. And I think Wichita State um, feels like, at least, I've, I've gotten to listen to a, a couple of their games when I've been traveling to games when they've been playing. Feels like they've kind of steadied the ship after all the unwanted off-the-court noise leading into this season, having to uh, go with an interim head coach this year. It kind of feels like they're they've settled into that. Kind of the storm maybe is calmed, and that they've been playing some pretty good basketball. They played Oklahoma State close. Uh, they, I believe, they won the other day. I can't remember the opponent exactly, but it feels Tulsa. like that was that was Tulsa. Yeah, that was a, a a good win for them, and it kind of feels like that they're settling in now to this team, this coach, and that they're going to be uh, tough there in the American. Yeah, and I tell you, they got a pretty tough schedule coming up, though, Scott. Uh, when I look at uh, after their uh, – the way they finished 2020 with uh, South Florida and then East Carolina, they open up 2021 with a game at Ole Miss. Then they go to Houston. Then they host Cincinnati. Mm. Then they host Tulsa. And then they go to SMU. 
And then they go to Memphis. I mean, that's a pretty tough start to 2021. But I agree. I think that this has been actually a pretty uh, promising start for this uh, Wichita State team. And we talked about Kansas kind of being mental monsters so far. Boy, I tell you what, this Wichita State squad definitely seems to have the look of being mental uh, monsters. They played some close games. Uh, they've won a couple. They've lost a couple. I think that's fine. But overall, I tell you what, uh, I, if you're a Wichita State fan, you have to be pleased with what you see so far. Oh, you're, you're absolutely encouraged. You know, I think people had very low expectations with you know everybody that departed last spring and then everything that happened Um late summer, early fall with Greg Marshall. So uh, I am like you, I'm, I'm very optimistic about what WSU boy, like you said, if they can get through that four or five game stretch you were talking about, if they could go even, even two and three or three and two through those, those five games that you mentioned, uh, I think they'll be in great shape when uh, they get in into February to, to have a chance at the postseason, whether that be the big dance, whether that be, the NIT, but I could see WSU in the postseason right now. Yeah, absolutely. I think yeah, that's really what their goal should be. You know, you don't want to set the bar too low, but, you know, just getting yourself in position to make a, a postseason tournament, I think, would be a great goal for Wichita State. And maybe you get to the to the American postseason tournament uh, in March, and, heck, maybe you're you're in position where, you know, you can make a, make, make yourself a run, be, be a dangerous team, maybe knock off, a you know, a top seed or something like that. Before we leave the college basketball talk, at least major college, uh, you mentioned Kentucky, one and five. Can you believe uh, a Calipari team down there? Kentucky is starting has started one and five this year. I think the sky is falling down there for some alumni. <laughs> oh well, <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, I, I know I we both broke jerk. up about it. <laughs> I hate to be a jerk, but uh, yeah, it's. I tell you what, and it's a. First of all, credit to Calipari for not whining about how we need to maybe basketball during a pandemic isn't the best thing to do, like we heard from Mike Krzyzewski. So, you know, there I think it's the first time I saw since like 1926 where Kentucky has started one in five and just really puts it in perspective just what they've been through this year. And just it's just mind boggling, Scott. I just. To see Kentucky one and five, I'm going to bring up their schedule here quick. Like I know it hasn't been easy, but man, it's just I, I just don't. They're, 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 you know, I think they just dismissed a player today too. I think I saw that on Twitter. I think you're correct. Yes. Yeah, they've lost to let's see Georgia Tech. They've lost to Notre Dame. They've lost to North Carolina. They've lost to yeah. So they they played some and they got Louisville coming up. So man, they've just they've they've had a tough schedule. And we know that it, that's just the cycle of the one and dones that go through Kentucky. I'm I'm actually a little surprised we haven't seen this before now because it seems like every year he's got a brand new team. At least his top, you know, four to six, seven guys even each year. So I'm a little surprised it hasn't happened till now. Uh, well, did you get off to a start like this until these one and done kids can kind of gel as a unit? I want to say they missed the tournament. They may have missed the NCAA the year after they won the national championship or somewhere not too long after the 2012 team won the title. But they did miss the tournament. And then they had the year where they were like an eighth seed and then just got really hot and made it to the Final Four, uh, beating the undefeated Wichita State team along the way. So, uh, yeah, it's always kind of a crapshoot when you get that one and done. I've always kind of like Bill Self's uh, approach to it. Get one and not, not three or four of them. Yeah. 
Yeah, well, so we'll see. Uh, I know both of us are losing sleep over Kentucky's <laughs> one and five start. On a local level, the Sterling College men and women are now into their break uh, till they resume play on January 9th. Uh, it's a really a tale of uh, two much different stories in Sterling, Brad. The SC women uh, pulled into the first official after the preseason rankings, they're now ranked number 18, 16-0. They're 12-0 in the conference. Um, their next game is scheduled to be at McPherson, who started off 3-1 uh, and one in the conference, and they're now 3-3. Three and three. They've lost their last two, and they just got drilled down at Oklahoma Westland, did the Lady Bulldogs. And, Brad, what that has done, McPherson even at 3-3 three and three with six games. Sterling's got twice that many. They have a three-plus game lead on the entire pack right now heading into the second semester. I'm not saying this is a done deal, but my goodness. I mean, they've already swept Tabor. They've swept Oklahoma Westland. They have home wins against Bethany and Kansas Westland. When you talk about the top teams, they have yet to play McPherson. Oh, Brittany Roberts, she's fantastic center for them. She gives – Sterling fits. That'll be a tough road game on the ninth, but they win that. And my goodness, I just don't see a conceivable way that the conference title doesn't go their direction. Yeah, they, it looks like they got a pretty tricky start to January, don't they? With uh, they do, yeah, yes. Oklahoma City and then McPherson, and uh, you know, Beth Bethany women seem like that they're uh, getting. Uh, they seem like that they could be a formidable opponent right there in Lindsburg on January twenty seventh. So. Uh, a pretty tough start to January. So, unfortunately, if these if, if these four games are happening right now or, like, in the next two weeks, you feel pretty good about the way they're playing. It's going to be interesting to see how they come back after the long break. Yeah, and actually, that, that uh, Oklahoma City game has been canceled. Oh, okay. Um, yep. They, they are trying to get something before the McPherson game. I don't know if that will happen. But um, we've talked about the benefit of having half your schedule conference schedule already played they'll have the fresh legs um, come February and March the downside of that is there could be times where they're they're going a week between games and uh, I, I think this team is veteran enough um, especially if they could get one game in before McPherson to bang off any rust I think they've got so many good players that have now been in this system two three four years I don't think that'll be a problem, but that's 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 one thing to look at as well. Or, you know, we played, you know, seven days ago is our last game or nine days ago was our last game. They could run into that a little bit in the second semester. Yeah, I'll be, uh, it will be interesting. But, you know, with the, the veteran leadership on this team and the depth that they have overall, I, I think that's maybe not the biggest concern. I, I'm not really that concerned about it. I think that they'll be fine if they had to take a little bit of a break, you know, when conference play restarts, I think when they start up again and they got those three road games, if they don't get another game mixed in there, I do think that that will, I think, be uh, definitely something to be concerned about. But if it happens during the, uh, you know, where maybe they get a break or something like that, a week off or whatever during the, uh, when they start up again, I'm not quite as concerned about that. No, I said, if they can navigate that first stretch there and, in fantastic shape as far as uh, conference championship postseason and all of those goodies at the end of the year. On the flip side, the SC men are mired in a nine, or yes, a nine-game losing streak after starting the season two and one. They're now two and ten. 
0-9 in conference play. They played at home against Kansas Wesleyan this past Saturday. Um, lost 94-86, but trailed 52-34 at halftime. Just had a, another one of those disastrous stretches in the first half that just dug them a, a hole they couldn't get out of. I mean, I gave them credit. They were scrappy. They fought hard. They did get that back down to eight, but it was never a never seriously threatened um, defeating Kansas Westland. And, and you look at this team, and you know that after those three really, really close losses, the double overtime, the, the four-point, the three-point loss in a, in a stretch of about seven days, that's in their heads now, and this team just has not figured out how to win. Um, they've been without their seven-foot center. Um, that is hurt. Uh, he was really starting to play well. He's out with a foot injury. I don't know how long he'll be out. That could help getting him back, but, boy, the, the break is about the last thing that this team needed. They, I think they really needed to keep playing, and, boy, it's it was, it's been tough to watch just the way they lost those three and then – um, kind of fell back into some of their old habits in the last couple of games. Yeah, it just seems like that they're starting to fall behind by double digits in the first half, and trying try to you know show. And they just you know the Kansas Wesleyan game, give them some credit for showing some fights and all that. Been easy for them just to roll over and just lose that game by twenty five. But you really want to see some. I mean, it just reminds me so much of the football team right now. You just want to see some success because they're so, I think anyway, close to turning it around, and I just think maybe getting a win, maybe getting two wins could be the start of something, you know, to really show some improvement, but they got to figure out how to get that first win, Scott. And I, and I don't know what the, what the answer is. I mean, you, you just see them do it in different ways. I mean, the, the Friends game was a, a meltdown against the zone defense, which they've seen plenty of times. You know, they just – they didn't execute. Lazy passes turned it over. Um Coach even mentioned against Kansas Wesleyan, they started breaking down their games into 10 four-minute segments. And they, when they reviewed that game, even he knew this by postgame, that they had actually won four of those segments, were even in three, and lost three of those segments. But the segments that they lose are so drastic. You know, they, they give up a, a 10, a 12 nothing run, and overall, you know, a 20 to 5 run by the time it's done. They, they just can't seem to avoid those and play 40 minutes of disaster-free. I'm not going to say mistake-free because nobody does that, but those disaster-free moments, they just can't get away from them. And I don't know what the answer is either, and I've watched them now for a whole semester. <laughs> well, I think if, uh, if if we all knew what the answer was, we'd uh, probably step away from our jobs with the media, and, and the coaches mm-hmm. would step away from their jobs as coaches, and we go write a book and, and you know get a couple of bestsellers out there and, yeah. and, and retire. So, it, you know, <laughs> at some point, it's just got to be a collective effort. You know, someone's got to figure out, you know, what do we do? You know, how do we get out of this? And you know, we'll see what the break does to them. If it maybe makes things worse, or maybe they they welcome the break to you know get back in the gym a little bit and. And not, and maybe get away from basketball for a little bit. You'll get maybe get a mental break from it all and come back maybe a little refreshed. I don't know if it'll help or not, but you know, <laughs> maybe it will help. I mean, uh, it seems like all other uh, options have been exhausted, so maybe a break away from basketball. Um, but because they've been so close, I kind of agree with you. It's got to be good to get right back out there and try to kick that darn door in. 
Yeah, and, and what's all kind of lost in it is the last five games for Jemiah Haynes, their 6'5 forward, 22, 22, 26, 24, and 17. Uh, just He's just on a monster tear, and they, they just can't take advantage of those games. And it's uh, uh, sad to see him putting up those kind of numbers, and they can't close the deal. But um, maybe that, like you said, maybe a breakaway, they can come back refreshed and uh, second semester start dotting uh, the wind column a little bit. But we will see. They're scheduled, and I don't know if this is going to happen either, uh, for January 9th to play at Mid-American Nazarene. I've heard that one is iffy right now. So uh, hopefully both teams can get going on the 9th or before. Going into the pro football ranks, uh, the Chiefs, again, found a way to get it done this past Sunday um, against the Saints, 32-29. to The Chiefs are 13-1. and uh, coming out of that game, the first thing we'll talk about is the injury to Clyde Edwards-Elaire. Um, that what I hate seeing—the get, guy got in a pile when he ran the ball. Somebody got pushed on the back of his legs while somebody was pushing him backward in the pile. Um, that was the bad news. I think the best possible news was that there was nothing torn. It's reported as a hip sprain and a high ankle sprain done for the regular season, but they are optimistic he could be ready for the postseason. So I guess the Le'Veon Bell, and then they still have Daryl Williams, who's a good back. I think that now the Le'Veon Bell trade is, this is why you did it. Yeah, absolutely. And it builds you some depth. And, of course, you got the the playoff experience also with uh, Le'Veon Bell. And mm-hmm. I'm, I'm sure that they'll probably end up signing someone from the practice squad or maybe someone out there you know, on the waiver wire or something like that, just add a little bit of depth. But yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, you know, you still have a bona fide, you know, number one back with Le'Veon Bell uh, there. So that's definitely encouraging, uh, especially with uh, the post, especially with the postseason looming. Yeah, you know, and what I noticed in that game is that that may have been the most harassed I have seen Patrick Mahomes, not just this season, but in his career. The Saints got after him i mean i at halftime he had been sacked once or twice there was uh how many knockdowns and i think the hurries was already in the double double digits and they did it the entire game now as the best player in football does he found a way to get it done again um but his completion percentage most of the game was hovering just above 50 percent so the saints they found something and what the chiefs started doing and then especially in the second quarter and the second half okay you are gonna just rush for you're dropping these guys they got back to the running game I really like like that you know um Alaire before he got hurt I think was in the 80s on the game and even Le'Veon Bell had a had a nice total at the end of the day I like that they got back to the run I did not like seeing of course Patrick Mahomes getting harassed that much by the Saints. I didn't, of course, like the defense letting the, the Saints back within three late, but um, the Chiefs, again, are able to get it done. Um, but some of those second teamers that have been playing on the offensive line all year, it started to show up a little bit on Sunday. Yeah, and I, t- I tell you what, the, the Saints are good, man. I mean, that's, that, that, that's a they legitimate are. Super Bowl uh, contender right there. And I think that they've got 
kind of the the speed that can definitely give the Chiefs problems if they you know they gave them problems on on Sundays and if they play them again it, it definitely give them problems also. You know, but one thing I wanted to bring up with the Chiefs, Scott, is you know I'm kind of getting a little tired of the 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 the, uh, the the narrative that they're not blowing teams out and that's a problem. Let's look at the schedule here for a second, Scott. They've gone to Baltimore. They won. All right. They've gone to Buffalo. They won. They've gone. Let's see where else. They they went to Tampa Bay. They won. They went to Miami. They won. They went to New Orleans. They won. That's five mm-hmm. five playoff teams and some Super Bowl contenders in there that they've gone to their house and they've won. I don't see how anybody can possibly be okay. So they struggled to beat the Broncos. They struggled to beat the Raiders, and they did lose to the Raiders. Big whoop. I mean, I'm I'm just kind of blown away <laughs> right now with uh, the the how tough the schedule has been, especially the road schedule, and they just keep winning, man. Yeah, I mean, are the same people going to be complaining if they they hoist the Lombardi Trophy again this year? I mean, and, and I have to admit, I've been in that camp a little bit. I, I of course, we'd like to see them twist the throat and, and, and choke the life out of a team when they have that opportunity. Um, the trouble is, it doesn't seem like any team can have 60 minutes of the intensity against a very good opponent that it takes to do that. Good teams are going to battle back in games and take advantage. You know, the Chiefs turn it over when they're up 14 and have the ball and a chance maybe to go down and make it 21. They turn it over short field touchdown and all of a sudden it's a seven point game you know good teams make um make those plays happen and like you said the chiefs continue to 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 beat the good teams and now they're in this unique position that the game against the falcons they they have played the falcons and chargers at home in the season the game against the falcons becomes irrelevant because they're an nfc team as you, if you're looking at that number one seed, they've already got the division well wrapped up. But the Chargers being an AFC team, when you look at the Steelers, that becomes the critical game. So I'm not sure what you do if, with your starters this week against the Falcons um, when you know that Charger game means a whole lot or could mean a whole lot. Now the Steelers have to play, as we're recording, they play the Bengals at Cincinnati, which we think they're going to win. But you don't know the way that the Steelers have not been playing good. And then they have the Colts and the Browns. Mm-hmm. They have a tough schedule. Maybe if uh, if the Steelers would lose um, this game against the, the, the Bengals, and that may all bets are off, and I don't know that either game means anything to the Chiefs. But I'm not sure how you approach the Falcon game. I feel like you have to play your starters um, four quarters. Yeah, I think so, too. And I, I guess the one thing that maybe maybe you can go back on a little bit here and make that Falcons game mean something is let's say that the Steelers do win tonight, which, again, I think that they will, and you think that they will. But then let's say next week, you know, the Chiefs play the Falcons, and then, you know, with the Steelers having a tough game with the Colts, you know, the Steelers lose that and the Chiefs win, then, then the top seed is wrapped up. Yes. So you can maybe come at it from that perspective say, hey, we win this game and the Steelers lose. You know, we can get it wrapped up and, and make our last game against the Chargers completely meaningless where maybe Mahomes plays a half and then you can essentially have a week and a half off before you get into your first playoff game. 
Yeah, and I think you definitely want I, – I, I like a winner-take-all beating the Falcons easier than I do the Chargers. The Chargers are playing some good football. They have a good offense. I mean, the, the rookie quarterback, Herbert, is playing um, – if I got the right name. Uh, he's playing fantastic right now, and uh, I think you want to take care of business with the Falcons and then – um, if it comes down to the Chargers game, I do believe the Chiefs will win that at home. But I think that, in my head, is going to be a lot tougher game than the Falcons. Yeah, the Falcons actually have had uh, some decent results this year themselves. So, you um, know, Scott, it's the NFL. Uh, you know, the difference between teams like the Chiefs and the Raiders, you know, the Raiders are good enough to obviously beat the Chiefs and beat the Saints, but they're also mm-hmm. bad enough to almost lose to the Jets. So, and, and uh, again, the Rams, they lose to the Jets. That's wow. that's that's just the kind of the difference between a lot of teams. I, you know, I think that on any given Sunday, pretty much anybody is capable of going out and beating even as a good team like the Chiefs. You know, I think that the Falcons are good enough to to beat the Chiefs on the right day. I think the Chargers are good enough, but the the thing is, is those teams aren't good enough to even go to the playoffs. So that's the difference between the Chiefs and those teams is that they're are good enough to win on any given day, but they're not good enough to sustain it over the long haul, which is what the Chiefs have done. So the Chiefs, again, will play the Falcons at home on Sunday where the Steelers, I believe, uh, they're going to have the Colts, and then they finish with the Browns. So um, Chiefs got the leg up, and it's, it's good. With only the one bye, I think, I think they'll capture it, and I think it's uh, really important this year um, with just the one out there. Uh, speaking of football, let's uh, – for our final time this season, then we'll get into some good football, a, a little Jayhawk season in review, which isn't going to take us very long. <laughs> uh, I think we're both happy that the season ended with the Texas Tech game and that the Texas game uh, was unable to be played, was canceled. Um, I like the idea of KU going into the off season off of a near win, their best performance of the entire season when they actually had a chance to win the game in the fourth quarter, you know, lost 16, 13. Um, but I like them going into the season or the off season that way. But I guess the huge question marks are out there. Do you, do you feel like everybody keeps saying, well, they thought that met Les miles first real recruiting class was a good recruiting class. They feel like he's, he's having a, a, a good year, this year and the kids he's getting in, do you think that they're going in the right direction? It's it's hard for me to say definitively yes right now, Scott. I don't know, man. I mean, the, the defense did show some promise this year, and they did have some good young, really young players who are probably out there long before they should have been out there. And I will say that he is doing some good recruiting. Again, Les Miles has landed some good players actually signed, not just committed, actually signed. They just signed, I believe, a three-star defensive end somewhere in Texas that supposedly is, you know, the real deal. So, you know, I I, I do think that you have to give Les Miles a little bit of time with this. They, You know, Turner Gill got two years and was let go, and that was understandable after the the success that Mark Mangino had. Charlie Weiss got, what, three and a half years? Three and a half, yeah. Yeah, so – Probably, I don't know, hindsight being 2020 is probably about a half season more than he deserved. David Beatty got, what, three and a half years also. Again, maybe about a half year more than he should have gotten. I guess he actually finished the season. 
So I, did he actually get four seasons in? I, oh. I think he did. Well, because he took over. I don't know if we're counting the the time when he took over for Charlie Weiss, didn't he? Yes. Did he, he, yeah, Clint Bowen finished up the 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 Charlie Weiss era. Okay, Clint Bowen was the coach the rest of that season then. Yeah, so so Beatty okay. actually did get four seasons, although he was fired midway through his fourth season, and he decided and he actually talked him into uh, can I still finish the season, and he did. So he actually got four seasons, uh, actually three and a half. So again, maybe one more than he hindsight deserved. But I think with less miles, I think you have to give him a full five seasons before you would even think about pulling the trigger on him. I just think that's what I, I just think it's what you have to do. So he's had two seasons with no success so far. Good young players played this year. They they got some good signing players coming in. So I really think you got to give him a little bit more time to kind of bear the fruits of some of these young players. Well, and hopefully this year, and he should, he'll get a spring practice season. That certainly did, well, nobody any favors, but certainly a young team like that needed guys that were able to get in at the semester, needed to be able to practice last spring. Um, would it have made a difference um, on their record this year? Um, who knows? Um, but I think they certainly would have been better out of the gate this year than they were had they had the spring and I'm with you he's got to have four or five seasons get at least guys that he recruits brings them in as freshmen through their senior season and and see if where this program's at at that point but I I definitely agree with that yeah it's I I think that uh and then and the the funny thing is the bar is so low right now that you know come year four (laughs) Come year four, the Jayhawks go five and seven. Well, you're thinking, oh, absolutely, give them a contract extension. So, <laughs> I think if uh, yeah. by year four, if the Jayhawks are five and seven, I, I absolutely would say give Les Miles an extension. No, I would. I'm I'm there with you. Six and six in any kind of a bowl game is it would be fantastic um, for where the program is right now. So again, the Jayhawks done until spring ball, and then next fall. Well, in the rest of major college football, the college football playoff is now set. It'll be Alabama taking on Notre Dame in one half and Clemson taking on Ohio State uh, in the other half of that bracket. Um, My first reaction, um, once I saw the way Clemson beat Notre Dame, I knew that that would uh, have – you know, Clemson is the second seed. I did not know what they would do with Notre Dame. Um, I think they're deserving to be in. I, I said it last week. My problem is still with Ohio State uh, being in the top four with only playing five games before they struggled and then eventually did beat Northwestern in the Big Ten championship game. I look at Texas A&M setting there. Um, that I think they should have been in in front of Ohio State and and possibly Notre Dame, but it's hard to leave Notre Dame out. Their one loss to Clemson. Maybe my real problem, Brad, and it's always because I'm I, I'm I'm a mid major guy. Cincinnati, they dropped them undefeated to number eight in the final poll. So I guess my problems are with Ohio State being in and Cincinnati being that far out. I think with Notre Dame. Let, let, let's okay. And I say someone that I say this as someone who grew up a big Notre Dame fan and still have a passing interest in watching them play. 
I think that the college football playoff, let's be honest, it's a business. Notre Dame is going to they're, – they're not if, – if they sell tickets, they're not going to have any trouble selling tickets. They're not going to have any trouble getting eyeballs on the television set that night. So – and playing Alabama, they probably won it anyway. But I, I don't have a problem with them taking Notre Dame from a not only business perspective, but they did, they did beat Clemson this year as well. I know they got skunked, but you know what? I, I, I don't have a problem with them taking Notre Dame. Ohio State playing, what, one and a half games or whatever it is that they played. I mean – you know, they, they, they penalized the Big 12 for not having a championship game all those years, saying that, hey, you guys need to play more games. Well, then Ohio State comes in 6-0, and they say, oh, that's okay. I mean, I, I just don't, <laughs> I, I don't get it. And I and the one thing that I want to touch on here, Scott, is exactly what you talked about with the mid-majors, and not just Northwestern, Coastal Carolina. Yeah. I mean, what the Sun Belt did, they, they whooped up on the Big 12 this year. Coastal Carolina destroyed Kansas. Louisiana, who Coastal Carolina beat, uh, beat Iowa State in Ames, and Arkansas State beat Kansas State, the same K-State team that beat Oklahoma, which some people mm-hmm. are pining for in the playoff. So what else does the, do these some of these mid-majors have to do? What, what does a Coastal Carolina have to do? What does a Cincinnati have to do? I think at this point that the, it's, it's time just to completely blow up this four-team playoff, it's it's worse, I think, than the BCS. Um, I say let's just blow it up, make it eight teams, give the Power Five their 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 five automatic, and then I say give the Group of Five an automatic, and then two yes. at large. So I think that would be the best thing to do: give the five the five power conferences an automatic bid for each conference champion, give the highest ranked Group of Five an automatic bid, and then two at large. Yeah, I, I would disagree. I, this is better than the BCS. I hated that with a passion. I, I would have rather seen the old bowl system. Okay, fair enough. BCS. Fair enough. I can um, I can go for that too. Yeah, I, I I favored that. I think the four is better, but eight, and especially this year because I, I am. I mean, Coastal Carolina they did not get to play their uh, Sun Belt Championship game against Louisiana, which would have been a rematch. Um, and I, that would, had they won that game, that's going to make no difference of what the committee did with Coastal Carolina. I mean, they went out and them, them and BYU, we talked about this when it happened. They, they got a game together and played it in like three days. I think that game didn't happen until Wednesday or Thursday. And they played Saturday. And it was a great game. I watched the end of that game. One yard, Coastal Carolina held BYU out of the end zone at the end to, to win that game against a BYU team that is very good. Um, Cincinnati has beaten everybody on their schedule, so they penalized them. Um, I think Cincinnati, did they get they got eight or nine games in. Um, their last two got uh, postponed and canceled due to COVID. And they, like I said, they drop them to number eight. They move a two-loss Oklahoma team in front of them, um, like you say, who got embarrassed by K-State. Um, yeah, I, I, it's time to expand it for sure because um, I was huge on Boise State back in the day. All those years they went undefeated and never, never were given the opportunity to play for a national title. And they proved, you know, in the Fiesta Bowl that year against Oklahoma, or just insert the big games that they got the opportunity to play, they won most of them. Um, I'm convinced they could have beaten anybody in the country given the chance. And 
I hated it then and I hate it now because they just expanded it, but still found a way to screw the little guy out of their chance. And I, and I don't like it. And I, do I think Cincinnati could beat Alabama? No. Should they get the opportunity? Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> they deserve it. And so does Coastal Carolina. Do I think Coastal Carolina can compete with the four teams in the playoff? Yes. I don't think they can beat any of them um, in there. But that doesn't mean they shouldn't get the chance. And that's, that's what's wrong with the system. Well, here is something else that's wrong with the system. How about this? You ready for this? South Carolina, 2-8. and eight has a bowl bid. Now I know that they dropped everything, you know, the, the requirements for what six wins or 500 or whatever it is that you have to be to become bowl eligible. And I get that. That's, that's, that's fine. Army nine and two, no bowl bid right now. I had that down. I was going to go there too. I'm furious about this one. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Again, bowl games are businesses. You got to do whoever you got to bring in who's ever going to sell tickets and all that. But, why and if you believe that army's gonna sell tickets they're a national brand i love watching the armed forces play football scott that navy team last year when they beat k-state that that quarterback that they had was one of the most entertaining players in the country mm. i love watching the armed forces play football man they're they're tough they're hard-nosed i just love it and I, it just seems i'm gonna say it this seems un-american for, for them not to t- for any of these uh, bulls, not to take a nine and two army team. Yeah, they were apparently, you know, the way they have all these uh, bowls set up, and of course, this year kind of blew those up. So many bowls aren't even happening. Um, they were committed the the armed forces champion of army, navy, air force was committed to play in the independence bowl uh, twenty like 2020, 2022, 2024, and I think the other years they would go to the Armed Forces Bowl. Well, they were locked in to play a team from the Pac-12, the way I understood this. Once Oregon upset USC, I don't know if hardly, I don't know if there was a ranked team left in the Pac-12. They all decided to opt out, you know, citing health reasons, of course, and there was nobody left out of the Pac-12 to fill that commitment. So the, I, I looked through the bowl schedule. The Independence Bowl is still listed there with nobody playing in it. Uh, and it, that, that left Army in a bad situation. But like you said, why doesn't somebody say, hey, hey, we'll take you instead of use the example of South Carolina. And I think I saw that 12 of the 14 SEC teams are in a bowl game. Three and seven, Tennessee. Yeah. Four, four and five, Mississippi. Four and six, Kentucky. And I'm sure that there's probably others that I'm just missing right now. Three and seven, Mississippi State. Three and seven, Arkansas. Come on now. One of these teams, one of those teams needs to give up their bowl bid and say, hey, Army, you can play for us. Yeah, I hope something like that because that uh, that's a shame. I'm with you. I love watching uh, those triple options because I'm telling you, on a neutral field, those, those type of teams are dangerous and they could beat anybody the teams you just mentioned i would favor army in all of those games absolutely against those sec teams definitely absolutely um so yeah um that's some things that we certainly would like to see change i know army that i think they were committed to still coming into practice and doing the testing and stuff here for um a few more days to see if they could make something happen at least from what i read so hopefully we'll see something uh 
something happen for them because that is a shame if they don't if they don't get a play this year one more game. Um, the other thing that will be coming up when we get into the first of January is we're going to see the junior college ranks come back. Of course, football or excuse me, basketball will be the one that starts there in the first week of January. Uh, the Jayhawk already announced that they're going to be uh, no fans until at least the first week of February, where they're going to review that policy like we've seen a lot of different places do that. But uh, what do you think about uh, all the JUCOs? And it's not just going to be basketball. I mean, once they get started, volleyball is going to jump in. Uh, when you get into March, football is going to start. Soccer is going to resume. Um baseball softball will get going in their february march area it's going to be a circus needless to say schedule wise um, but what do you think about the juco's finally looks like they're going to get started in january yeah i'm going to be looking forward to it uh you know football doesn't start i think until let's see if i got this right march 26th i believe but basketball is going to be starting here pretty quickly so it's uh i'm looking forward to it i you know hopefully everyone stays healthy and, and all that and, and is ready to go come uh, January, I think the first officially scheduled game, according to this, will be Cloud County at Central ne- or uh, hosting Central Nebraska, and Hutchinson will get started on January 12th against Northern Oklahoma Tonkawa. So there, you know, I, there's just a handful of non-conference games before they get into it. And then, of course, as you mentioned, Scott, I mean, yeah, basketball is going to be starting, but then you got baseball and softball starting pretty quickly. Volleyball will be starting pretty quickly. So it's it's just going to be a mess. I feel bad for people like Steve Carpenter, who are you know the sports information director. And all these athletic directors who <laughs> it's bad enough, uh, you know, in the fall sports and, and you just have to worry about the fall sports. Now you're throwing all the sports in there together. You know, one cancellation, two cancellations, the uh, postponement here and there. I mean, it's just going to be a mess for these JUCO athletic directors. Yeah, I boy, I see March when foot when they are all are going at the same time, because I think they I think they're aiming for i think the second week of april for the national tournament um, for basketball there in hutch uh, and i believe that was the the time frame i saw oh my goodness like you said uh, you could get you could get five home events on the same day um <laughs> trying to try and you're as a sports information director you mentioned steve carpenter there they are responsible for statting yep. all varsity home games so i don't i hope he's got some great um interns um, or people that can help him because trying to get all of that um, done when you know there's going to be multiple uh, varsity games in your home sites on the same day, that's going to be a nightmare. I've already talked to my students about all this and I've got two sports uh, report or two sports editors and I've already tried to recruit a couple others. So, Hey, I know you like sports, so uh, we may have to have you help out with sports in the spring and they're fine with that, but it's, it's going to be a mess, man. But, uh, potentially a memorable mess so hopefully it's it's memorable for all the right reasons yeah i hope there's very very few bumps in the road when um that gets started in january and when everything else um hopefully that second semester will be better than the first um so that was that was my schedule of events and everything that i had for you so i guess you said you uh you had a great uh, final thought so i'll let you go first all right uh, I had the privilege of covering Little River last week and uh, Little River basketball, especially the boys team. And boy, I tell you what, that team was so much fun to watch. They played a, they, they played a game and the way that they play with 
Jaden Garrison and Graham Stevens and Trey Ross. And it's just that I, I was watching them play against Mountain Ridge. And I was just thinking, how do I, how do I defend this team? Because Garrison and Stevens, you think, okay, maybe we go triangle and two against them. And here's the problem with that. Not only can Trey Rolfs just destroy you from the, from the perimeter, but Garrison and Stevens are going to be so much better athletically than anybody you might put on them to chase them around. They're just going to be better. That, that's just their harsh reality. And even if you play an elite team, if you try to, to gimmick it up and try, you know, play a triangle and two against them, I just don't think that many teams are going to have the athletic ability to, have, to, to be able to stop those guys. So I don't know what I would do if I'm trying to slow down Little River because, as I said, I don't think you can triangle into them. I don't think you can zone them. You definitely can't play them straight up, man. So, Scott, maybe a little bit of help here. You saw them probably a little bit more than I did. So, when you got Jaden Garrison and Graham Stevens, who almost every game are going to be the two best athletes on the floor by a country mile. So, you can't, you can't gimmick them because I think that they're just going to run you into the ground. What's the best way to defend this team? Well, the, the game I saw them come closest to losing is I covered their, uh, their regional and their sub-state. And I, I have forgotten the opponent. In the sub-state championship game, uh, they played a team that had a really good, tall, big. He was, six, he was in the 6'4 to 6'5 range. And the team had good guards, not as good as Little River. Of course, Little River didn't have Graham Stevens last year, so that, that changes us a little bit. But when the big was in the game, they they felt like he was good enough to be a rim protector if Garrison or Rolfs um, tried to drive into the paint. So they tried to play an extended zone. Um, they, they lengthened the top of it to get out on Garrison and Rolfs, the shooters, and tried to make Little River beat them um, from the inside, trying to cover the outside with the big. Now, when he went out, that was a different story. Um, the game did change sometimes it, then they would switch to man and not play as much zone. Um, I think that's possibly the formula, but the trouble is you don't see that many really good bigs um, down. You, there's some dotting one a, but now one a divided into two divisions this year. There's less opportunity for a team like that in division one to come up and, and beat little river, um, that's that. That's what I saw last year. It's the same team plus Stevens this year. Uh, I think that's. I don't want to say it's the formula because I don't see anybody successfully doing it. But I think that's the type of team that could give them tr- problems during a game. Yeah, I guess if you do have maybe a six five six 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 seven rim protector, someone that can swat away their drives to the basket, that would that would give them a puncher's chance, I would think, especially if you can have some athletic guards and can hit some threes. I don't want to say it's impossible to beat a team like Little River. That's not that I'm not going to say that at all. But man, I was just blown away with just how athletic Garrison Stevens are, the problems that Trey Rolfs can bring. And they even got a little bit of little bit of depth in there. I mean they can easily go seven or eight every game. And boy, I tell you what, it I wouldn't want to try to figure it out. <laughs> try to figure out a, a way to slow those guys down. Yeah, I think that's that's the last thing the rest of <clears throat> 1A wanted to see this year was only half of the teams competing against Little River instead of all of them. Um, if you're trying to to knock them off, which we both think they are the 
they are the favorite certainly in uh, 1A Division One. Uh, so we will see if anybody um, can hang close with them during the regular season. I guess my final thoughts are kind of along the, the same way. It's kind of out to all of the all of the high school teams. We we certainly saw a lot of bumps to the season getting started here in um, December. You know, we mentioned one of the teams that. Um, our station covers on a regular basis the Bueller boys that they have not played um, due to um, COVID issues either with their opponents or amongst their their own team their girls have played some we've seen it happen with you know I'm covering Lions it's happened to them already a couple of times um, so it's just kind of a encouraging word out there to all those teams especially going into break where you know you're gonna be visiting family and stuff like that to to, to hang in there and and be smart, and to all the administrators who are dealing with these reschedules and stuff all the time, just to have a fantastic break, kind of renew your energy, and uh, be able to get back at it when the second semester starts, because um, it is worth it. Um, we, we both played high school athletics, and I remember my senior year, had, had I not been able to play for the state basketball title or play at all, um, in the spring when I was able to play for a golf championship as well. I just know how that would have impacted me. Um, so I just encourage them to, to keep moving forward when you get, th when we do get through it and we will this year uh, and crown winter champions and spring champions this year, um, all that effort, it will be worth it. I know it's tough. I don't have to deal with it every day, um, but encourage you to stay in there. It will be worth it for the kids sake. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And with the holidays coming up, you know, just it, kind of piggybacking when you said, you know, be smart, be safe. You know, it, when, when the vaccine becomes available and you get the opportunity, you know, hopefully everyone gets the opportunity to, to, to get it eventually. I do think that my, my thoughts all along when the vaccine started becoming uh, distributed was that, I think eventually, you know, this winter, um, February or March, that it's going to flatline a little bit and maybe start slowly going down. So just hang in there, folks. Be safe, be smart. And yeah, I agree, Scott. It, it's going to be worth it, all these precautions that we're taking, because we will see state champions crowned in the in the spring and in the winter. So just just tr just trust us on this. Be smart, be safe. It's going to be worth it. It will be. And uh, for our regular listeners, we are planning on having uh, a podcast next week. Of course, we won't have uh, near the action to talk about. We, we will have a little bit of KU and the Chiefs to talk about, but we'll also uh, maybe a little bit of a year in review uh, podcast next week. There's certainly um, just from what you and I've seen, we can certainly go back and uh, take a look at some of the fantastic games and athletes that we have seen so we will certainly have one uh, available for you uh, next week so again the the only action this week on the ad astra sports network is on tuesday triple header action 95 9 11 mcpherson and bueller we believe that's a girls game only 94 7 ku and west virginia and 100.3 we'll have wichita state and south florida so again, uh, to all of our regular listeners, uh, we wish everybody a, a safe and happy uh, Christmas, and we'll be talking to you before the new year. But for this week's View from the Press Box for Brad Hallier, this is Scott Hogan. God bless. Have a great Christmas.